Hello, and welcome to Veins of Gold, Finding God's Treasure in a Dirt-Covered World. This is a podcast from Mountain View Baptist Church in Thomaston, Georgia. Now, let's join Pastor Ryan Christopher as he digs into this week's program. All right, folks, I know you've been uh, anticipating this, uh, this interview that we're about to do with the uh, infamous and incredible and world-renowned Dr. Rex King. Uh, we are super, super excited. Uh, just a little bit, of, uh, little bit of background, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into the interview. But I just want to let you guys know that it has been an incredible honor. I've been here six years at Mountain View. It's been an incredible honor to be with uh, Pastor King, and he has taught me an incredible uh, amount of things. He's, uh, he's had me spank me occasionally. He's, uh, beat me up occasionally, but, uh, but he has done an incredible job of, of helping all the ministers here and all the people who come through his ministry. He's been here over 40 years. Is it 43? Is that right? 43 in February. 43 in February. 43 years. That's, that's longer than Yoda was a Jedi. So, you know, that was, um, that, that is good, good stuff. So, uh, and we just, what we want to do, what we want to do is a lot of you have asked, they said, Ryan, you know, uh, we want you to do interviews, but we want, we want to know about, um, we want to know about Pastor King. We want to know about him. We want to know about his, uh, past, his present, future, things like that. And I said, well, look, if I can convince him to do it, I'll, uh, he's already told me we're on time frame here. So we're going <laughs> to, we're going to get some, we're going to get some, uh, questions to him and he's excited about it too. So let's, let's, uh, let's get this, let's get this started. I, every, probably every couple of, uh, sermons. You'll say something about Mill Village. Mm-hmm. You'll say something about a Mill Village, and you know how much you loved it, and how much the, it was, the atmosphere was different, mm-hmm. the time was different, mm-hmm. things like that. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the Mill Village and growing up in the Mill Village. It was different because it was simple. That's right, simple. Right. What people don't realize is back in the old days when people worked or lived on the Mill Village, they worked in the cotton mill, B.F. Goodrich, Thomas. That's Mills, right. Okay? That's right. And the mill, the mill people, people on the mill, actually owned the employees. Now, by that I mean, if you lived on the mill village, you would live it in a house owned right, right. by the mill that's company. That's right. That's right. And you rented that house right. from the mill company. And if the mill company decided they didn't like you or you got fired, you moved. You had to move house. That's exactly oh, right. Yeah. Now that changed. That changed when. Uh, uh, Thomas DeMille Company decided they were going to sell the houses. And when they sold the houses, of course, it became a new dynamic. They sell it to one person? They sold, they, what they were going to do, they, the mill company sent out a notice that we're going to sell our homes, our houses. Right, now, okay. the people living in that house mm-hmm. has first option to buy or decline. That's right. Okay? That's right. Uh, most of them accepted, yeah. uh, bought the house. And it wasn't, you know, they weren't expensive. They, but they bought those houses. And the the thing that I want to try to emphasize is is, is the simplicity of, of the fact that these people had to work hard every day of their life. That's exactly every, right. They worked, this, this generation mm. that I grew up in on the village was not afraid of work. Good. Amen. Even, even the kids, the kids in school were challenged to do the best they could, to, now, to, 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 to make the best grades they could. Now, was that, was that, when you say to make the best grades, was that so they could get out of the mill village or was that, you know, just so you could let, work? Let, yeah. let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, my daddy, bless his heart, told me one time, he said, now look, education's your best friend. Yeah. He said, now, if you're going to live in Thomaston, he told you, if you're going to live in Thomaston, this That's is right. back in the 60s, okay? Right. He said, when you grow up, when you get out of school and you want to live in Thomaston, 
your options for employment are extremely limited. That's right. If you're going to live in Thomas right. and be a, an element of society, you're probably going to be associated with the cotton mill. That's right. And he said, what you need to do is get you an education. You need to go to school, get you an education. So you can work up in the... So that when you got out of school, you wouldn't have to be a common laborer. That's right. That you could be in management. Thus, That's you'd right. have a job that paid a better wage That's and you'd, right. do, better, and you'd sure. do better off in that environment. Sure. And it was the truth. It That's was the right. truth. Of course, as we look back now and, and the mills are gone. It, oh, it's yeah. all gone. Every bit of If you'd have yeah. you bet me in 1968, when I graduated from high school, if you'd have bet me that all these cotton mills would have been gone in 50 years. I, I was you crazy. There ain't no oh, way I know it. I know it. The, the, the mill, the mill that's not there on Marvel Street now, right across the street from where the police station is now. Where my daddy lives that's on. Right. We yeah, live yeah. on there. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right gone. 3,000 people were employed at that division at one time. Incredible. 3,000 jobs in that one plant at one Good. time, and they're all gone. And they're all gone. The building's gone. The building's gone. Everything's gone. I mean, gone. everything's and gone. And that's just a waste of But growing up on the mill village, that ethic, that work ethic, people knew they had to work hard. Yeah, people right. appreciated a job. Oh, yeah. No matter how hard it was. That's right. Uh, the local grocery stores. I mean, we had, you know, we didn't, have, we had Big Apple and we had A&P. We had all those things. But, you know, there was Day's Grocery down on Balmer Street and uh, the little store. We always called it the little store right above us on Avenue. There are little stores, J&J Furniture Company, oh, yeah. that the Mill Village people did business with. That's right. And it that's was like a family. We knew You walk into somebody's business, they knew your name. Mm -hmm. You know, they knew how you, how's your kids do it, how's so-and-so. Right. That's right. And that environment of knowing one another, that environment of... You know what people forget? People forget that, that still matters today. Absolutely. It still matters absolutely. today. If somebody gets a hold of absolutely. that concept that, you know, we know you and we know your family absolutely. stuff. It, it matters. It matters. The thing I miss most, or one of the things I miss most about growing up on Mill Village is I, I never will forget all my life growing up on F with Daddy and them. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we'd go, we'd either go next door or wherever, and we'd sit on the front porch and we'd talk. That's right. People don't sit on the front porch no more. Oh, no. People don't even know who the next door neighbors are. Exactly. Much less on the front porch exactly. and talk to them. Exactly. I mean, it's amazing. Exactly right. and, and I say this a lot because it's the truth. When you look at the old Mill Village, and you see Mayberry, you see Andy Griffith on television, yeah. that's what the Mill Village was like. I'm serious. Wow. Wow. When I was growing up in East Thomaston, the Mill Village, we had one policeman. One. <laughs> one. One. Once, the first police chief was Wilson, the other one was Porter. And he didn't get to carry a gun? No, well, he carried a gun. <laughs> he carried a gun, had that's one right. car, yeah, had one car. Right. You know, he, That was the police. Yeah. That was 24, you know, if you needed yes. to figure the car. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but people loved one another. People helped one another. People cared for one another. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, what the Bible tells us we ought to be doing today, cotton mill folks have done all their lives. Oh, yeah. You know, your neighbor's yeah. sick, you carry him food. Your neighbor's yeah, sick, right. you cut his grass. You that's know, right. you wash his car when he can't get out and do it himself. That right. that kind of love, that kind of What happened to that? Uh, what happened to that? I think we all got complacent. I think we all got to the point where, you know, you got to the point where you could hire somebody to do it. Yeah. You know, back when I was growing up, my daddy never hired nobody to cut his grass except Rex. <laughs> and he didn't pay me. He didn't pay you. No, exactly and that was fine. Right, that yeah. was fine. No, no, but yeah. I tell you the difference, Ryan. Yeah. Today, today, and, I, and I, this is, I'm ashamed to say this, but it's the truth. And it's my fault. It's my fault. At my house where I've lived for 35 years, my family, Brooke, Brent, and anybody has cut my grass twice in 45 years, 35 years, okay? Because I do it. I, that's just a matter of habit. I yep, do it, okay? Yep, yep. Back when I was growing up, Tink didn't have to tell me cut the grass. I knew 
You better cut the grass. Cut the grass. Yeah, that cut was your grass. job. That was it. Are you going to pay a that's price? A responsibility. Yes. Yeah, right. The kids of today have no responsibilities. That's right. Because we as parents don't delegate that responsibility. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the reasons. But growing up in Mayberry, growing up where you know it's laid back. Oh yeah. Laid back. You worked hard during the day, but at night you went home and appreciated what little bit you did have. Kids, I, I tell you something you don't see today, and you, every golly, in the old mill village when you got home from school. Yards were full of kids playing, playing oh, baseball, yeah. Yeah, outside, football. Off, yeah. Girls were, you know, with the dolls and cutouts yeah. and front. You know, kids were together outside playing, doing yes, something. Right. Today, right through any segment of our society, they're any, inside. That you can't find anybody outside they're playing ball. Video games. That's, that's exactly. You can't thing, find yeah. it. Exactly you can't right. find them. And that's part of that regimen where we have taken the thrill and the happiness of growing up away from my children because it ain't just so much easier to that's, sit there and exactly do the right. video games. Well, what about what about church life during that time? Again, everything revolved around the community of East Thomaston. This is why when you go to East Thomaston, you've got uh, East Thomaston Elementary School. That's right. It's still there. It's Park Lane now. Is it really? Where it's it still there. School's still okay. there. Okay. You know where East Thomaston Baptist Church is? I do. Right, it's East Thomaston Baptist Church yep. where the Mill Folk Baptist That's went. Right. That's and right. And right across the street was East Thomaston Methodist, High Town Methodist, where the Methodists went. Wow. You had the Baptist Church, both of them owned by the Mill Company. Both yeah. of them owned by the Mill Company. The both churches of, were? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the wow. buildings were. Oh, the buildings. The buildings were. They the built. Bu- it. They built it. They oh, built it. Wow. And That's eventually, what, yeah. you know, gave it to the sure, congregation sure. to upkeep. But the mill company built those buildings. Wow. Sure did. And one, one of the Baptists went to the Baptists. Well, the school right across the street. That's the way it was. And East mm-hmm. Thomas, that's the way it was. When you graduated eighth grade at East Thomas, then you go to R.A. Lee downtown. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what? What about? I saw a class picture. You know, it wasn't but uh, about three weeks ago. Second grade. Uh, yeah, yeah. Second grade picture. Of you guys there. What was what was being in school like back then? I mean, I mean, in all honesty, you know, today, I mean, they're different. We got COVID. We got all this stuff going on right now. But I mean, like back then, just just the the nature of school back then. The nature of school back then was very simple. You did the very best you could. Your teachers challenged you to do the very best you could. Uh, they were those who made A's, and they were those who made B's, and they were those who flunked. And back in the old days, you didn't you didn't make any headway about those who, if you failed, you failed. You know, we're not going to pass you just to pass you. We're going to try to help you. Yes. And, and I think today's school, everybody gets a trophy, everybody mm-hmm. passes, has, has been a detriment to the education system in right. schools today. But back when I was in school, you were challenged because your mom and daddy worked hard in that cotton mill. That's right. And your mom and daddy knew that if you goofed around in school, sure. you're going to have a menial job in that cotton mill and work hard every day of your life. Right. Therefore, they instilled in us, get an education, work hard. So if you have to work in a cotton mill, you ain't got to do what we got to do. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so, okay, now going through the school schools how they worked and everything like that then we get to um it seems to me like you and i were talking one day and, and i don't know if we were traveling someday somewhere to a funeral or something and we got talking about you know sports and all and and so you played baseball played baseball i lettered baseball high school two years played babe ruth baseball till i played high school ball i lettered baseball two years mm-hmm. yeah uh, never played high school football. It's too chicken too yeah. scared yeah too but baseball much, you played baseball too, too much of a baby's boy mama's boy to play football uh, funny story. I went out. I went out for high school football. Never will forget it. <laughs> and the first day they were going to have, uh, uh, just, you know, first day of training camp, whatever you want to call it, was supposed to be over at Matthews Field. Well, I got a ride out to Matthews Field. And it was raining cats and dogs. It was pouring down rain. And I got out there and I was the only one there. So I <laughs> stood out there in the rain for an hour 
waiting on somebody to show up. And finally, a coach drove by and said, hey, we moved it to the gym up at the school. You didn't know. I said, no, I didn't know it. Yeah. So, but then the, the, the reason, I didn't last long in football because this is this is embarrassing. I didn't know how to put the equipment on. Yeah. You know, you, you had these hip pads oh, and yeah. all this oh, yeah. other stuff. I oh, didn't yeah. know how to put it on. Oh, yeah. And I spent so much time trying to get my pads <laughs> on. By the time I got out to practice, they'd make me run laps being late. Like me and the microphone Man, in there. I have some hard to get this thing on. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Like, but I did a letter of baseball two years at high school under Tommy Purdue. Tommy Purdue was my And you enjoyed that? Sure, love baseball. I love Tink. Tink is what started Yeah, tell me about Tink. Dad, Daddy, Daddy was a very good athlete. That's right. They they think he was just a, a baseball player. He was. He was an excellent baseball player. Of course, the American Legion team won the World Series one year. Uh, he was in the St. Louis Cardinals baseball organization until he hurt his arm. Oh, really? He hurt his arm and could not go any further. But the St. Louis Cardinals had already uh, drafted him, and he was in there. He started just was wow. fixing to start the organization. Wow. And he loved baseball. Baseball was his sport. He right. played football, but he was a baseball guy. And he, from the very, I mean, my earliest, my earliest six and seven years old, he was in the yard playing ball with me. Wow. He was. And that's where it all came from. That's so, good. That's and I wasn't good. much of an athlete. I know fat boy. You know, I didn't. You enjoyed it, though. I, as you grew older, <laughs> yeah. you fell in love with it. You fell in love. And i tell you something. Yeah. The reason I fell in love with it, because the guys that I hung around with on the Mill Village Played were it. playing baseball. They were playing ball. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what y'all did in the and, That's exactly right. And yeah. if you wasn't playing ball with the Babe Ruth or the Little League, you was out in the yard playing ball with your friends. That's, that's right. That's the way you did it. That's right. That's the way it was. All right. Let's get, let's get into a little bit of a... Um, a difficult question about coach about coaching. Coaching. All right. Let's do this. You're competitive. No. That's a rumor. <laughs> rumor. Lies no, it's not a, that's not a rumor. That's not a rumor. That's not a rumor. Talk to me. Talk to me about about coaching. Talk to me about coaching and, and your perspective on it. Because see coaching, I mean you coaching you become, is like pastoring. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Coaching is a lot like pastoring. So I mean tell me tell me what um When I got through with a uh, high school course I'd I'd uh uh, had coached baseball as a teenager in the mm. recreation in the recreation program. Loved it. Loved coaching. Went to college, of course, and you know got out of that for a while because I was at college. When I got got out of college, um, was unemployed for a while, and uh, James Dawkins called me one day, and he was an athletic director over the Thomason thing. He said, uh, "I need for you and Terry Pete." To come to work for me as as PE teachers, Terry P. Terry P. Oh, Terry okay, P. okay. And uh, of course, we couldn't find a job. I was unemployed. We couldn't. Yeah. They wasn't job. No, it's nineteen seventy three, seventy four. It was you couldn't find a job. Really? Yes, yeah, so you couldn't find a job. So Coach Dawkins calls me and says, "Look, I want you to be a PE teacher. Yeah, at East Thomaston Grammar School. You and you and Pete can go out there and do it. And, okay, so then we did. In other words, he found us a job. He yeah. found us something to do, teach PE. And, okay. You know. but, but while I was there, he said, look, uh, he came to me one day and he said, look, said, uh, I got a Pee Wee football team. And the coach is just, he just ain't, he just, he's not what I want. How old are you at this point? I'm probably mid to late 20s. Yeah. Mid to late 20s, probably late 20s, early, maybe early 30s, young, young. <laughs> yesterday yeah. yesterday and and so that's where it started it, it started because in, in big time coaching i'd coached recreation ball a couple of years yeah you know but this is where it started i started coaching peewee football coaching for seven years oh yeah uh coached uh high school football for one year Did you? it was a private school here in town yeah private oh. school faith academy okay had a football team and i coached it we made it to the semifinals of the playoffs just the one year that right that we did it and then it all fell apart so that's, that's where the, that's where the bloodline came from as far, as far as coaching. And then, you know, uh, I started playing, 
uh, church softball. <laughs> okay, this is, you oh, know this has to come up. Will, you know it has to. Lies because, all lies. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's all lies, but yeah. let's talk about some of the lies, all right? All right, <laughs> all right so so everyone says you're highly competitive in church softball. It is. It and uh, and and in all honesty, and just talking to the folks here, everybody knows church sports leagues can get out of hand. Yes, they can. They they just can. Yes, they and can. And there's a lot of competitive people in there, and there's a lot of folks in there that, that just uh, they, they they get a little crazy yeah. sometimes. All right, Stay so, so tell so tell me tell me about that part of you, the competitive part of you, and and why you think sometimes it just it it. I think I think a lot of my competitiveness comes from daddy. Yeah. I, I really do because yeah. of, you know, and the hard times that him and mama had just putting bread on the table. That's right. You know, you had to be competitive. And he told me, he said, if you're going to, if you're going to be a, an excellent athlete, you got to work at it. That's right. If you're going to be a good baseball player, well, you got to work at it. You can't, you can't haphazardly do this. You got to work hard at it. Right. And that discipline and that fierceness. And he told me, he said, look, if you go out to have fun, but you know, winning's fun. Was he as competitive as you? Uh, probably not. Okay. Now, now he coached. Well, I say that because he coached. He coached softball. Hard. He coached Clark's Chapel Baptist Church when I was coaching Mountain View Baptist Church. Oh no, really? Yeah, we've coached. Against, <laughs> we've coached against each other, and I never beat him. You I never, never beat, beat him. him. I never beat him. <laughs> Of course, he got us when we were young. He got us before we grew up. Yeah, know? that's right. That's right. That's right. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. So I didn't realize that. He was coaching Clark Chapel when you Absolutely. did something else. But you know what? I guess it's just my nature. I want to do the best I can yeah. at whatever I do. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think this is one thing that disappoints me or discourages me or just goes against me today is the church has lost the edge Mm-hmm. Because we surrender to everything that comes I think, around. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, I we've got to right. understand if if I'm going if I'm going to play a ball game, and I told I told I told the church teams that we play. I said, look, I love you and I appreciate you, and I'm going to love you before the game, and I'm going to love you after the game. But when we're playing, I'm out here to whoop you. <laughs> I'm out here to whoop you. You might you know That's we right. we ain't friends right. when they holler play ball. Yeah, but when it's over, it's over. Yeah, and, and we can we ought to have that mantra where it it's in, it's important for us. Yes. To focus on what we're doing, yeah. to be the very best we can. Well, there's a society out there that you know they're going to give people what they give them, and they give them their best, even though it's for the devil. Yeah, you know, and it ought to be it ought to be that we give them our very best. Absolutely. Everything that we do, give them our very and best. And whether we want to admit it or not, those of us who are saved are in a game, not necessarily a game against the devil, yeah. and it's competitive. Oh yeah, and you better be in that thing oh, to yeah. win. He's after the same souls we are. That's exactly right. And yeah. this is my this is yeah. my whole point. This yeah. is my whole point in this whole matter. Today's churches have lost that competitive edge because they don't seem to be caring about who's winning. No, and right. we need to be caring about who's winning. Yeah. God Jesus needs, yeah, Jesus that's, needs that's to be exactly winning. exactly right. And the church exactly. doesn't seem Not to be Not a particular caring. church, but the, the church the wants church. a trophy for participating. Yes, yeah, exactly. wants a trophy for participating instead of winning the battle for that's souls, right. that's winning right. the battle for the gospel. So if and now let me ask a question before we leave the whole, you know, the Millville stuff, one, one question, and if – as you know, pastor, you've been here 43 years. All right. So if you could go back, not necessarily just in pastoring, but if, if there was, you know, one or two things you could go back and say, I would do that. Cause I mean, you're, you're teaching me here too. And you're teaching, you're teaching. So I could, I, if I could go back, I would do that differently. I've thought about that. And, 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 you know, there's different styles of management. Yes. I was, I was in management 16 years in a cotton mill. That's you know, right. I was, uh, division manager, industrial engineer, and worked in that for 16 years. And, you know, my management style then and now is this. Surround yourself with good people mm-hmm. and let them do their job. Right. Well, that's come back to bite me in the 
a couple of times over over the past you know forty years. And if I had to do it differently, I don't think I'd be as lenient as I am. In other words, you surround yourself with good people, you let them do the jobs, but you need to supervise them a little bit more. Because yeah. if you don't supervise them a little bit more, they get way out there and start doing crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you can't you can't read them back. That's in. right. But, That's right. But I think if I had to do it over again, I think I'd be a little more hands-on kind of management style but it's, that's not my style but i think right. that's what i do differently right right and it's and i mean in all honesty the church has done well and and you know and even that's because i've surrounded those, myself with good people and let them do that well job. that you know that's exactly the truth and when we look out when we look out amongst the people and we see the fact that you have such good servants out here i mean even even for I me mean, it takes that there's no and i tell people this all the time it takes those people who are willing to do those i mean you and i aren't going to do anything in av department you know audiovisual we don't have a clue I mean, we can get out in the field and we can preach, but these people who put every little piece together, greeters at your door and people who clean and all this kind of stuff like that. Talking about sports. Talking yes. about sports. Yes. The coach of the team recruits his players, mm-hmm. and then he trains his players, mm-hmm. and then he puts them in the lineup at positions he thinks going to give him the best opportunity to win. Yes. Pastoring. Yes. You recruit your players. Now, yes. I know that's not a good term. No, 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 but no. By I recruiting, I mean you win them to Jesus. I understand what you're you saying. You know, you try to get them in church. That's exactly And right. my philosophy is this. If there's somebody out there not going to church, that's free game, buddy. I don't care whose church man. If they're not going, they're free game. <laughs> they need to be in church. And if they're not going over there, that's they need right. to be coming in. That's right. So you, you yeah, get right. the people, uh, and hopefully more of them saved than just coming in by letter that's or whatever. That's what you want. You got to recruit the people. Want. Then you got to train them. Yes. See, a pastor's job is leading. Yeah. leading uh not necessarily out there if i was going to tell you to go dig a ditch and i know you'd go dig it i wouldn't <laughs> go out there with a shovel and dig it for you i'd let you dig it. that's right a pastor leads and tells people and shows yeah. them what yeah. to do that's right and then you surround yourself with these yeah. good people find out their capabilities strength and then you put them you in the plug lineup. them in you, you plug, plug them in, the them, you plug yeah. them in and bang there you yeah, go absolutely there you absolutely go. that's that's good that's a, that's really really good um, okay, so we're driving down the road. You and I are driving down the road, just to, you know, hypothetically, and we, we've done it. Yeah, ninety miles an hour because you're driving. Wow. And uh, and and so, what music are we listening to? Probably bluegrass. Bluegrass. If yeah. we're not listening to bluegrass, and I don't mind telling you this. No, 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 I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I love, grew up. I was a disc jockey. Nineteen sixties and early seventies. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. That's the music. Oh yeah. Music died after seventy five. When I'm going they, to the doctor and things like that, there hasn't been, been hardly any good music at all since nineteen seventy five. I beg to differ, but we're going with other than bluegrass. <laughs> I think, but do you think that's probably the area you grew up in? That's no why doubt. You, yeah, no that, doubt. that's why no you doubt. love it because everybody. And I say that, but you know something. I look at this, and and there's people out there. Uh, for example, Sirius XM Radio mm-hmm. has got all these stations, right. okay? Right. And they tell me that the people that are doing most subscribing to those are 60s and 70s. That's right. That that's the most popular package on on that. 60s and 70s are. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's just not It's just not me. It's just that that music, that type of music mm-hmm. connects even today. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of crazy people during that time? Well, or? Well, everybody was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy and different, you know. That's we didn't right. have all the temptations and mess we have to deal with today. I mean, crazy back when I was growing up was, you know, drinking three or four beers or, oh, or, yeah. or, and I never did that and smoking marijuana cigarette. Never had a marijuana cigarette in my life. Yeah. Even in college. Right. And, you know, that, that, but today. Yeah. Man, that's, 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 that's child's play. That's exactly right. Exactly compared right. to what's going on today. Well, yeah. And I just, I was just talking with, you know, in this podcast, we talk an awful lot about this kind of stuff. But I mean, I was just talking to somebody last night after our prayer meeting. They were like, this, you know, the, the things that are going on in our world today are so probably demonic. 
oppression in our world today is just it's it's just it's, well let me just put it down yeah. to you something we've been talking about where we are today in church is bottom of the ninth inning and we're behind oh yes no bottom of the ninth inning and we're losing fourth quarter yeah. with two minutes left and yeah. we're losing we better start winning we're losing yeah, with the people we plugged in amen exactly right. oh my goodness gracious all right uh your mom and dad mm. talk to me about the the dynamic there and growing up with them because I, you know, you you talked about your mom and all mm-hmm. and everything, but you know, occasionally, occasionally, and you occasionally talk about your dad and things. But like uh, growing up Mill Village with mom and dad. Well, again, uh, Mill Village parents were special because they both had to work, mm-hmm. both had to work, both had to work hard. So she worked in the mills too. She for a while. Okay. She, her while. health, her health went really, really bad. She she had a respiratory uh, illness that really put on disability. Wow. Yeah, and yeah. she went to. A, I didn't forget his name, Dr. Enrique Monterio. That was his name in Griffin. She'd go to him, you know, two or three times a month. But she suffered dramatically with the respiratory illness. And she couldn't work in the mill because, you know, all the lint and dust and first one thing to another. So she stayed home. Her health was always bad. Now, Daddy, on the other hand, worked every day of his life. I've, I've seen my daddy. I've seen my daddy work the night shift. Daddy would work 4 to 12 as a supervisor in the cotton mill, come home at 12 o'clock at night, and get up at seven o'clock in the morning and go help DT DT Hilly, which is Wiley Hilly's uncle, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe he's the uncle. Go white houses. He worked during the day for DT Hilly. Come back home, get ready, and go to work at four o'clock. Come back, and do the same thing. Wow. Yeah. Goodness Working gracious. two. Yeah. yeah. That's what it's about. Isn't it? And he had that's to work. He had to work. Had Goodness to do it. Gracious. You know. Uh, my who was, mom, who was the discipline? Your dad was the discipline. Well, he, he, my mom and daddy had two of the best kids God ever put on the earth. <laughs> I told, my, wait a second, man. Don't start lying sister, now, brother. Me and don't my start sister, lying now. <laughs> me and my sister, we didn't give anybody any trouble. <laughs> Golly. We're well, in church. We knew. No, we knew. We knew that, you know, mama was home with us most of the time. Yeah, she couldn't. Sure. And mama would tell us something. And if mama told us something we need to do it because mama would whip us she'd take yeah. a, she but okay, boy, good, we good, did it yeah. and mama said i'm gonna tell your daddy when he gets home mm-hmm. that was, that was gonna be bad i never will forget as long as i live i did something to mama um upset her she was tall pieces upset and she and i i was i knew it all i was 14 yeah. 15 years oh old. yeah you I definitely knew it all. i was yeah. smart man i knew everything anyway we got into a discussion and she said well, when your daddy gets home i'm gonna let him deal with you oh so I made a deliberate, deliberate attempt to be next door when Daddy got home at four o'clock. <laughs> and I was sitting, I was sitting in the living room next door about five after four when I heard Rex. Oh my goodness gracious, man. <laughs> it was about to be on like next door. It was on. Oh, it was on. Man. He beat me like a yard dog. Oh my god. But you know man. what? I don't even remember him whooping me but that one time. Really? Yeah. I mean, really. I say that because you must have really done something bad. Well, I ain't gonna it, ask it, what it was. Well, I, just, I ain't gonna. Yeah. Let's of course, just my age, I can't remember it anyway. <laughs> but I. But we never did. I mean, really serious. I'm being serious now. My sister Connie and myself never were. We never gave our parents trouble. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Not only was that me and my sister on that mill village, yeah. very few. Yeah. Very few children gave their mamas and daddies trouble. Really. Because they knew. Yeah. That if they stepped out of line and gave mom that whipping, there, there was there was going to be a price. Yeah, it wasn't time out. Hey, and if you got in trouble at school, yeah. it was worse when you got sure, home. Sure, Where in the world is that atmosphere going? Yeah, all of that's yeah, all that's, but that's, that's why. Exactly that's why. Right. But daddy, as long as I remember, it was daddy that took me to church. My mama didn't go to church. Who did you? Now, it's just rem- someone in the church was telling me a story about because a lot of these guys grew up with you. 
I mean, they really did. You know, not not all, but a lot of them did. And uh, but See, they can't remember either. You, you're afraid of the story I want to tell. It's not that bad. It's no. not that bad. All right, so I'm, I'm keeping those out. Those are for mine and your private conversation. All right, so here, but this one, she said that you uh you put her in a trash can and rolled her down a hill. That's Elaine Morris. <laughs> True. Oh my goodness. True. We Johnny Hale. Johnny Hale. Yeah. Here. You yeah, know, back yeah. back in the early sixties, <laughs> mid sixties, when we were all crazy kids, growing up on a mill village. I mean, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to do. You out in the yard playing ball, doing something with. But the mill company always had these big barrels that they kept dye or, or supplies in, and they throw them away. Yeah. And, yeah. and the heavy cardboard, heavy yeah, cardboard right. boxes, and they had the tops on where you could latch them and they they lock. Those cardboard boxes. Yeah. I mean, okay. with the barrels. They oh, were the barrels. They were barrels. They were barrels. Yeah. Well, Elaine, me and Mike Morris, and Elaine was hanging. Elaine was a younger sister. Yes, Elaine right. was a young. And yeah. Mike, me and Mike, Mike had one at his house right there below me on F. And one day, me and Mike in the yard playing with that barrel, and Elaine comes out there and starts getting on our nerves. <laughs> so, I know what is going already. So we said, Elaine, we want you to get That's you right. in the barrel. We're going to roll you down and pull you back up. Well, That's right. We put her in the barrel, locked that sucker, and rolled it. <laughs> oh, my goodness, man. So that wasn't the thing you got spanked uh, for? No, no. Oh, okay. I'm just letting no, you know. No, no, Golly, that's rough. <laughs> that's right. Some of the memories. I mean, that's that's just it. Oh, there's all kind of memories. Yeah, and, and so so when you look back, that one, because we're about to move into the ministry part of this whole thing, and we'll do that in the next segment. But what kids back then, Ryan, entertained themselves. I mean, and, and by that, I mean, when you're in the yard. We didn't have a lot of stuff. That's right. Nobody had a computer. We didn't know what a computer was. No, of course not. Yeah. In the yard, you played ball. If you yeah. was a girl, you didn't did the girl jump rope. You did the girl thing. But every yeah. everybody was doing something, right. you know. And I remember games like uh, Shaggy Roller. Y'all probably don't remember Shaggy Roller. What is Shaggy Roller? Roller? What anyway, is it? It's just a uh, what hide and go seek. Oh, okay. Hide and go seek. Yeah. In other words, we fan out and hide and. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, "Are you ready?" We'd holler, "Shaggy Roller." Okay, I never and we'd heard go that. get them. We'd, yeah. we'd right. hide and seek, and must have been know, a Thomaston thing. Oh yeah, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. But we were always doing games, always doing something, right. playing marbles. Yeah. When's the last time you saw somebody shoot I, marbles? Yeah, I have not. I've we not used ever, to do that all the yeah, time. I've not ever seen anybody. Shoot I mean, the guys in the back of the neighborhood, high school, can draw yeah. a ring, shoot marbles. Oh my goodness! But always the kids were doing something. You know, with what they had to do to keep them occupied. They wasn't looking there for somebody else to entertain them. That's exactly right. You know, they took the initiative in themselves because that was inbred into them. So, so what, what, before we, you know, close this segment and start the next, before we do that, what, what from that do you still have inside of you? Like, like what? Self motivation. Self motivation. Self entertainment. In other words, People ask me, what are you going to do when you retire? I ain't going to worry about it because I'm good at entertaining, my, and entertaining myself. I'm good at finding something to right. do. But kids today have no imagination. Uh, they have no drive in them. You know, they go to school, but once school's over with, they don't care whether they've done the homework or not. That's right. You know, because we don't instill them the importance of good That's right. grades. That's right. And I, and I think that that initiative and that thing that was drilled in me as a young man to, to, to apply yourself. Do the very mm-hmm. best you can. You ain't always going to win. Mm-hmm. My daddy told me, he said, look, if you're going to play sports, that's something you need to understand. You're probably going to lose as many as you win. Oh, yeah. And you got to learn how to lose. That's right. And, and, and he's right. Now, you did have a t- difficult time of losing. Though. Well, that's why I won so much. I didn't like losing. <laughs> you didn't like you losing. Know, you did everything you can to win, boy. <laughs> Losing stinks, doesn't hey, it? Hey, hey, everybody says, play to have fun. I do. Winning is fun. Losing is not fun. Oh, my goodness gracious. My goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, that, that that's super cool, and I think I think um, I think that probably if you you had a, an option, you probably would grow up in the same place. Ain't no doubt. 
Barney Fife, the Mill Village. If yeah. I had, a, if somebody could allow me to pick a place to grow up in again, it would be on the Mill Village, with people that loved you, people you could count on, people always were there to help you no matter what. Incredible, absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll start this next segment, and uh, and you guys will get to listen to that next week. See y'all. Thank you for joining us for Veins of Gold, a podcast of Mountain View Baptist Church. For information about our church and ministries, please visit our website, mvbaptist.org.